podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Jim Orr to discuss last night's performance. Jim, give us a wee breakdown of your over, overall summary, your thoughts on last night's performance. Last night overall, I think as I said last week, I always like to split the games into three. I think if you look at what the team was, how the first half went and how the second half went. Uh, in terms of the team, I thought it was quite a bold, quite an ambitious team. It's almost like we're playing an SPL game away from home. We're going to go toe-to-toe with them. Quite offensive. I thought the first half was possibly uh, the best performance under Neil Lennon since he came back. Uh, went toe-to-toe with a really good team. Uh, scored a couple of great goals. The first goal was a fantastic goal. I think I said last week about uh, when the same player got the chance in the Glasgow Derby, completely fluffed it. Mm-hmm. So why didn't he do that in the Glasgow Derby? But uh, it was great in terms of how he took it, the composure, the ability, just fantastic. And then to score so quickly again, you're looking at the score thinking, are we really 2-0 up? This is great. But, you know, well-deserved, playing really, really well. Second half, you kind of know they're going to come at them, come come at us uh, in the same way that we would come at a team in the SPL if we were 2-0 down. A uh, bit disappointed we didn't manage to kind of see the game out. Uh, maybe we could have put on a sub a bit earlier try and shore up the midfield because it was all them in the second half. Albeit... The same player who scored two brilliant goals in the first half could have scored two more in the second half. So, mm-hmm. a bit inconsistent from Moel. Uh, overall, to get a point is great, as I'm sure you know, every fan would have said on social media, uh, a point would be a fantastic result. Uh, and that's what we got. Uh, I think I said before, uh, before going on earlier that I, I, I'm not really up for Europe this year. I mean, any other season, uh, I always think Europe's the most important thing because that's your benchmark how well you do in Europe. And obviously the fact we can't go to games look back at last year, uh, played the Lazio game, 60,000 people, fantastic mm-hmm. atmosphere, mm-hmm. last minute goal, pouring rain, fantastic. This year, it's just not the same. And if it's up to me, I, mean, I would, I would uh, not be playing in Europe because maybe talk about this, having a duty of care towards the players. 
So where's the duty of care where you take the whole first team squad to France? At a time we're about to go into lockdown, uh, I think that's quite a negligent thing to do. I'd much rather we weren't playing in Europe because last night I was looking at the game thinking, well, the most important thing is none of the players get COVID. So we don't know if that's going to be the case until they get tested. So who knows that one of the players might get COVID and that'd be a disaster again. Uh, the next point is hopefully nobody gets injured mm-hmm. and Big Ayer gets injured. Yep. Uh, and he's been our, our best central defender all season. So that's a blow if he's going to be out for a while. And I'd much rather lost the game last night with Ayer being fit. Uh, the next thing you look at Europe is not to get a doing because under the previous manager, we get a few doings. Uh, and you're always wary of that. If we lose an early goal, we manage to get through that. And then you're looking at how well the team performs. I thought the first half, as I said, outstanding. Second half, could have done a bit better. Uh, it reminded me of a typical game in the SPL where we're maybe 2-0 down at half-time and we know we're the best team. Mm-hmm. And we know in the second half we're going to come out and we're going to win the game. And there was a game, I think, during the Invincible season where we played Motherwell away and we're 2-0 down. Louis Moat scored the goals. But you knew that we'd come out in the second half and we would fix it. And that's how I felt last night watching the game. I thought they'll come out and fix it. So we had to counter that in some way, but we didn't seem to counter. Albeit, they never cut us open at any point in time. Uh, losing a goal to a set piece, disappointing. The second goal, kind of similar to the goal we lost in the Glasgow derby. The ball comes across, it kind of ricochets off a few people and just falls to the other guy. So that was unlucky. Uh, so, so even with you know them pretty much dominating the whole of the second half, they didn't cut us open a set piece and a kind of lucky second goal. So mm-hmm. we were unlucky not to come away with the three points last night. But in the greater scheme of things, it's a domestic uh, campaign that actually uh, I'm more uh, focused on this year. And to have Ayer out, that's a, that's a huge disappointment. And hopefully there's no issue with COVID stuff. But we'll find out today, tomorrow. Definitely. I mean, we had a few conversations during the week, Jim, in relation to the point you've made about uh, Europe. And I take that point wholeheartedly. I think the international football is the same. It's just a breeding ground, you know. And um, However, I did feel that it might be a game in Europe that where things click and for some um, considerable length of time last night I felt that things were certainly clicking some of the observations looking at the the performance overall um, I felt as though the players and Neil Lennon himself and there's a few points coming through actually that we'll get to looked as though they came out firing on all cylinders with something to prove now I've also been looking at the press conferences during the week and one from the post-match as well and Lenny does seem to have been fired up a fair bit. Uh, I think it was the Lenny of old, was it not? Seeing him on the sidelines? Well, I think earlier in the week he came out, it was kind of all uh, all guns blazing. Uh, I think obviously some of the criticism was kind of stung. Uh, I think unfairly, because I think uh, before the Glasgow derby, we were putting points on the board, and points on the board is the main thing. I think it's hard to criticise if you're putting points on the board. I mean, you can question the performance levels, but... It's a results-driven business, as they would say. And if they're going to get rid of a manager because of bad performances, then nobody's going to take the job, I think. So, But when you do drop points, I think then that's that's all well and, all well and fair to actually question some of the decisions. Uh, so I think we're, I think the second half in the Glasgow derby was a low point. Uh, I couldn't see it getting much lower than that. We're all to blame. You know, management, the players. When the players sh- showed no desire, no hunger, nothing, then... But since then, things have got better. I think uh, first half against Milan, so-so, second half was, was good. Last week, first half was kind of so-so, nothing happened. Fantastic performance 
in the second half last week. And in terms of context, if we'd have played that game earlier in the season, we'd have all been saying, what a gutsy performance. Showed tremendous character to come back twice. But within the context of just losing the Glasgow derby, then dropping more points, I think that kind of adds to the pressure. So possibly he felt he had to come out and say that. And I was really surprised that he said that. He used the word sacked. You know, that's I was, I was really surprised he said that, that, you know, he didn't feel there was anything there that he thought he should be sacked for. And I happen to agree with him, but I just was really surprised that he came out and said that. Mm. Well, he was responding directly to the criticism that had been made um, in the media, but also by some fans as well, me included. And I think what happens is, after that, there is a furore, Jim, if you if you make a, a, your views and your opinions known. And there's also the accusation that there's an agenda-driven uh, narrative. And there isn't actually on a Celtic state of mind, because if there was, what I would be doing just now is sitting here trying to give you all the negatives from last night. So after the game, sitting with Stevie, um, there's obviously, you're emotionally charged, well I am, after a Celtic game. I think and after any game, I think that's not the time to talk about things. And I would say that for the manager as well, because you are so emotionally involved and it's very raw right after the game. And I think when you take a bit of time and you reflect on games, and that's why I tend to, if we don't play particularly well, I kind of look for the positives. And if we play well at like last night, I kind of look for the negatives so that you keep yourself in a kind of even keel, so you yeah. don't go way up and way down. And I felt last week there was, there was loads of positives last Sunday. Uh, and when you looked at the game overall, uh, I think, going back to my kind of three-pronged look at the game, the team, what did we think about the team? Well, I was kind of shocked that Scott Brown wasn't playing. So well, that we spoke that, about that last, Friday, about that last we? week. I yeah. was shocked he wasn't playing. Would that have changed the game? Maybe. What, what did change is the guy who I think played in his place, Cham gave away the goal or gave away the penalty. In the first half, you know, so, so that was that had a significant impact in the game. Uh, at half time, I'm watching the game on the TV and I'm thinking he has to make changes now. And the two players, one of the players I'd have taken off was Big Tom Rogic because he wasn't kicking the ball. And then the team came out the second half, and for the first ten minutes they're playing loads of good football. And who sets up the goal with a sublime pass? Tom Rogic, the guy yep. I'm screaming to take off. Yep. So what do I know about football? What do we all know about football? And then. Uh, <clears throat> Shane Duffy, bad decision-making again. We're 2-1 down. Then Lenny makes the substitution. We get Lee Griffiths, who I think will change the season. I still stand by that. Another sublime pass by Tom Rogic. You know, the guy I had off at half-time. Fantastic finish by Lee. We go ahead 3-2. And then we let an Aberdeen player walk through six players. So if you analyse the game, was that Lenny's fault that Shane Duffy decided to try to be Franz Beckenbauer? No. Was it Neil Lennon's fault that... Cham decides to bar somebody in the back? No. Was it Neil Lennon's fault that this guy walks through six Celtic players? No. So you couldn't blame Neil Lennon for last Saturday, albeit it was really hugely disappointing to drop a couple of points. So, and then last night they came out in the first half, and as you said, it was like a different team. Mm-hmm. We're going toe to toe with the team who's the top of the French league, They're haven't lost a game, haven't yeah. lost a game in ages, mm-hmm. top, top quality team. We go toe to toe, we put two guys up front, and we're two goals up at half time. Astonishing performance. How would you have been feeling if you were 2 nothing up against PSG at halftime? Astonished. Just astonished. You're watching him thinking, this is fantastic. This is, this is us now starting to play. Mm-hmm. And then, well, we kind of knew how the second half would go. We knew if they scored, it'd be backs, I mean, pretty much backs against the wall for the whole second half. So maybe we should have changed that. Maybe we should have brought in a Yeah, I've seen that criticism player, this morning. Yeah. Uh, after maybe 10 minutes, because it was all pretty much one-way traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, albeit they never opened us up. Albeit we had chances. Uh I think at that level you have to take the chances. We did brilliantly in the first half with the two chances. 
you need to keep that going. And I think you get players in a team that you always like or you always dislike and there's people in the middle. And for me, Mo Elianusi is a kind of guy in the middle for me. He's, he's, he's too in, inconsistent for me. He's always a great player when he turns up. The Glasgow derby didn't turn up. The Aberdeen game didn't turn up. Turned up last night. Big style. But even in the second half, you're looking for him. Hit the ball, get it in target, test the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Didn't do that. So even within a game, quite inconsistent. The Cham's another one for me as well. Who you think, there's a player there, but does, just doesn't do it enough. And then this season, because as we keep saying, the kind of 10 overshadows everyone. Every game's a big game. Mm-hmm. Every game has to be won. Everyone has to be on their game for every single game. You can't have empty jerseys, as one of your guests called it a few weeks ago. Uh, everyone has to contribute. Every single game. And we've got such a huge squad, there's no reason for them not to contribute. I think I said last week, whether it's me being quite a naive football fan, the five subs will get to on at half-time. Because you can always tweak things at half-time. Even if you're playing really, really well, you can always make things a bit better. And as I said last week, if you're five up at half-time, great opportunity to give two players 45 minutes. Mm. So I'd like to see us use the subs a bit earlier, uh, irrespective of if we're doing well or not doing well. Last night, I just kind of felt, we know how they're going to play. The first 10 minutes, you're thinking, if they score, we're going to lose this game. And then they score again, they score and then they score again. You think, we're going to lose the game. And we did remarkably well not to lose the game after that. So that was good. And I thought the defence were excellent. excellent. And obviously some players get tired. Cham was out on his feet. Scott Brown was out on his feet. Clearly. Ryan yeah. Christie, who had a fantastic game, was out on his feet. Uh, so that was understandable. But maybe we've got five subs, so let's maybe use this fan. And obviously either going off was unfortunate because maybe bringing on someone like Beaton or Sorrow to play in the midfield maybe that would have been mm. an option and as I said earlier that if you don't get the points then I think it's it's reasonable to question that maybe if we did something a bit different then there might be a different outcome uh, but as everyone has said to go there and pick up a point and there's a chance we still might get through uh, into the group into the, into the knockout stage of this again I'm kind of torn because am I that bothered? not really because it's actually hard to watch the games. It's still hard to watch the games with no fans. You know, you don't I mean when somebody scores a goal, you're thinking, was that a goal? <laughs> I'm not very sure here because nothing's really happened. So I'm finding that difficult to watch games with no fans. Uh, it doesn't seem the same. And then as I watched the AC Milan game last week, thinking if fans were there, what a different game that would be. When we're chasing for a 2-2. What a different game that would be. Going back to the point about the defence that you mentioned there, uh, and it brings in something I was going to say anyway in in relation to Shane Duffy. So last week, I'm critical of Neil Lennon, which uh, results in people being critical of me for having that view. Last night, I stand up for Duffy, and that results in people being critical of me for standing up for Duffy. Um, It's just you. It's just me, perhaps. But the reason I was mentioning Duffy is I didn't... I didn't feel the loss of two goals, etc. Last night was down to Shane Duffy. What I felt was it was down to the the absence of Ayer. I thought up to that point, fifty three minutes were two nothing up, Jim. That disrupted Celtic more than any individual uh, mishaps. And I know that Duffy gave away the penalty, which, by the way, was never a penalty. Mm-hmm. It was outside the box. But I just felt that last night, you know, Neil Lennon showed a bit of faith in him. He's got Beaton back. He's got the young boy Welsh, who I think came on to add to his development and his progression with another European performance last night, albeit it was only maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, but he showed a bit of faith in, in Shane Duffy and I still think he, that Duffy will turn it around. You don't I become... I agree. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he is a good player. He's obviously a good player in terms of what he's done in the game. He's obviously a good player. 
and there's a lots of stories going about that he's injured and he's taking injections to get through games and he, and he, and he did an abscess before the Glasgow derby and stuff. so we don't actually know what's going on behind the scenes I thought it was a great game last night apart for the penalty uh, I think at that level a split decision you know, you know could could change a game if it wasn't for Scott Hoon, I think if he'd have scored before half time the chances I might have lost last night because the impetus that I got from that uh, albeit as you say it was outside the box and I think luck Luck plays such a big part. I listened to your podcast yesterday with Alan Morrison, mm-hmm. Celtic by numbers. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. But there's always two sides of things we watch a football match. There's an kind of objective side and there's a subjective side. And Alan's all about the objective and shots and target and expected goals and all that stuff. But but the subjective side plays such a huge part. Uh, that tackle last night was outside the box, so it's not a penalty. Uh, to give a penalty is just bad luck. No VAR. That I picked up. That's mm-hmm. just bad luck. And you can mm-hmm. say, well, you make your own luck. Uh, Shane Duffy shouldn't have tackled him. And he shouldn't have tackled him, and that was a bad decision. Maybe the only bad decision he made all night. But <laughs> football at that kind of level, one bad decision, one split second, you lose a goal, you lose a game, you lose impetus. So that was unfortunate. And then Scott Bain saved it. And that was a big thing from last night, that Scott Bain played really well. He did. And I thought, I mean, we were talking about <laughs> the last few weeks, people looking at Neil Lennon and trying to figure out his, uh, his, the way he looked and the way he act and the body language of Neil Lennon. I looked at the body language of Scott Bain last night and I'm dead impressed because mm-hmm. he looked dead confident. He did. And fake bouncy and whatever. And he saved a penalty. And again, that's a huge turning point. And with a goalkeeper last year who was great at saving penalties. Uh, and I, I still think... Barkas is number one and Barkas should come straight back in as far as I'm concerned. I was but, going to ask that actually is but, the, the first But question. I think Scott Bain did his chances no harm last mm. night and it's good if a goalkeeper that saved penalties because we've faced a number of penalties this year uh, and Barkas hasn't saved any of them yet. Not that you'd expect him to do that but if you have a goalkeeper who's maybe one or two he gets more confident there's a chance he might save the penalty. And watching the two penalties last week at Aberdeen I didn't feel Barkas was going to save either of them. And the guy ran up last night I didn't know. And then Bain makes the save. And he's just got a kind of look about him, Bain. Kind of, kind of, kind of cocky, mm-hmm. confident look. Uh, wouldn't blame him from the goals. Uh, one wee mistake when he came to catch the ball and kind of fumbled it. Yeah. But apart from that, I thought he did exceptionally well last night. Uh, didn't have much to do, again, because the defence played so well. Uh, so he was a big plus. From, there was a number of big pluses from last night. And he was certainly one. that was a guy who you can depend on. Because you want two good goalkeepers. I think if we had to play... The third choice goalkeeper, there's a bit of a question mark because obviously, obviously goalkeepers one of your key positions in the team. You want to have confidence in your in your goalkeeper. I think Bain showed last night that we can have confidence in Scott Bain. Without a doubt, after the game against Aberdeen where you're conceding three goals, um, you would have probably expected Barkas to walk right back in. Going by Neil Lennon's post-match comments where he said there had been a real... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. We'll see change in Scott Bain's attitude to his work. Now, I thought to myself, all right, so there's maybe needed to be a change in his attitude, which is great because I felt the same as yourself. There was a confidence about Bain last night. And I'm going to disagree with you because I think he's done enough to hold on to that jersey for Sunday. I think think he'd be so disappointed to be dropped at that stage, you know. I think there's no room for sentiment in the game. I think uh, I would always play the best players in their best positions. And I think Barca's from what I've seen so far, it's like a better goalkeeper. I mean, Scott Bain's last game in Europe was the game he got slaughtered for when we, when we lost last year to Cluj. When we lost four goals, he got absolutely slaughtered for that. And I think, I think like any football player, it's all about confidence. If you're a goalkeeper, you must have, you know, reserves of confidence to come back if you've played a particularly bad game. Because a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a goal. A defender makes a mistake a lot of times, it's a goal. Forwards got to be with murder. Basically, again, harping back to the two chances last night that we had. Good, good chances, and they make mistakes, and nothing happens. Whereas a defender, you know, know, give away a penalty, it's serious. So defenders have to play games and make no mistakes, and goalkeepers are just the same. And I thought he did really well last night, but I'd always play the best team. Unless Lenny's looking at it's a cup game, and therefore maybe in terms of giving everyone a shot, then maybe playing Scott Bain in the cup games. But if if you then say Scott Bain's going to start playing... If you're Barkas, what does that do to your confidence? Then, So I think a football manager is such a difficult job when you have to weigh up all these different elements, objective elements and subjective elements like, like this as well. Mm. Now, we're all moving to the defensive positions we've touched on. I, I agree with you. I think he's been Celtic's best defender overall in terms of the cent- centre-halves this season. He was playing well again last night. Unfortunately, he was injured. And Neil Lennon said after the game, it's likely that he'll miss the game this Sunday. So when we're looking at a predicted 11, um, I'm having to uh, do that without Chris Iyer, unfortunately, for Sunday's game. But on the left, what I'm going to ask you about Diego Laxalt, is he the find of the summer? I mean, what a performance last night. Unbelievable player. Uh, dead confident. As I said last week, he's got the best pedigree in Scottish football. He was picked for the Team of the World Cup in 2018. So nobody's near that level. And he does what he says in the tin, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he gets forward. He manages it. He must have quite long legs. He seems to just reach out and, and makes tackles you think he would never make. Mm-hmm. He plays with his head up. He's confident. He takes players on. And then that rubs off on the other players, I think, in terms of how he performed. And maybe we Frimpongs maybe had a look at that and thought, oh, maybe that's how you play the game. Because he was great last night. And I thought he was really poor against Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of tracking back defensively, even offensively. You know, the, the one or two times he did get forward, you know, he wasn't too clever. But last night I thought he was really good. He seemed to pick his runs. He combined quite well with Cham and Christie last night from Pong. But like Salt, yeah, absolute find of the season. Keep him fit. Don't let him go and play for Uruguay and other side of the world. That's my big concern. Keep everyone there. And I think, as I've like said in previous weeks, if we can play 38 games this year in that league, we'll win the league. But what if we only play 20, 20, 23 games? <laughs> Not so sure. And that's the bit that's out with our, our control. And there's still no clarity on this. Still no clarity at all. International break is going to happen again mm-hmm. in two weeks' time. Madness. I know. Because I mean, another transfer players going I know it's yesterday, some like uh, 
they were naming the Scotland under-21 team. You're thinking, no, no, stop it. Just please stop this. It's madness. And then we know somebody's going to contract COVID or going to have to self-isolate. So we know that's going to happen. And there's no there's no leadership for me. You know, I think I said previous as well, why are we playing the Europa League this season? You know, and even if we're going to play it, can we not have done it differently? Can we not have left it to later in the season? Play it during the winter break? Uh, play it in a, in a one... Do what they did with the Champions League or the Europa League at the end of last season. Take it to a country that's doing pretty well with COVID. You know, isolate people. Because we're taking... We're, Celtic possibly are doing the most out of any club to try and conform to all these rules and regulations. And then they just let them out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. And to go to France, I just... I'm astonished that we did that. Now, it would take some going for Celtic to not play the game. But then again, we had a club like no other, according to the PR Blitzy thing. What is a club like no other? I'm not very sure. But what would that say if we said, you know what? Uh, we're not going to play the game. We're going to withdraw from the Europa League. They wouldn't do that because of the money that's involved. And you have to have that competition because of the money involved. Everything's down to money, Paul. As you know, everything's down to money. But that'd be a statement to say, you know what? The most important thing is our players' health. So we're not going to play this game. And we'll forgo the money. We're never going to do that. But I'd, I'd love one team to do that. I would admire the team that came out and said that because I think we're paying lip service to this. We're having a duty of care to the players. We're not. Of course we're not. And I'll be I'll be furious if we look at a Sky report and it says that one of the Celtic players is COVID or whatever. I'll be absolutely livid if that happens. Mm. Uh, and we know it's going to happen in the next international break. And we could have left this stuff to later in the season. Uh, because we're also playing catch-up in terms of league games. you know. And if we do well on Sunday, then we've got a cup final at the end of December to play. So we're starting to lose you know, lose these games. And we'll have to try and cram all these games in. And if we qualify for the last 32, again, that's going to be difficult to play all these games. And the focus this year you know, is the 10. It has to win the league. And everything that we do that makes that more difficult, I'm totally against doing. Just in this... Europe stuff, uh, European stuff and I, I love in any other season big fan of Europe love going to the games mm-hmm. makes such a difference night time games the lights are on uh, before the game everything's in darkness and they put the kind of focus on the huddle it's like theatre it's like just it's, it's like best theatre out wait night Lazio game last week brilliant all that stuff love all that stuff but this season it just it doesn't feel the same and it's not as important because there's, there's something else that's more important and once the season's over and hopefully we get back to some sort of normality next year. Europe's the benchmark. You know, let's get in the Champions League next year and let's and let's and let's do well in that. And let's have lots of games that are really good to go and see and, and we're all back up for things. This season just to me seems like a bit of a damp scrub. And it's unfortunate because this is the season that everyone was going to be saying, this is the 10 season. Mm-hmm. And we'd all be so much looking forward to it. I'm just finding that a wee bit difficult to get up for the up for the European games. And maybe I'm alone. Maybe everyone's saying, well, you know, Europe's the place to be. Uh, but last last week's game against AC Milan, I found it hard, a kind of hard watch. When we scored the two goals last night, I kind of sat up and thought, oh, hi, this is good. This is great. And then, uh, and after we get the point, I thought, well, I'm actually not that bothered. So, <laughs> fickle football fans. Some fan. fans cannot fickle just be football pleased. Fans. Eh? No, they can't be pleased. Um, can't now, be. you mentioned aspirations next season. Some of the points that are coming through on the social media channels do tap into that by talking about uh, Laxalt, who obviously is the lead question on the broadcast today, Jim. Very, very impressed by his four performances 
particularly last night, the guys at the 20-minute Tim's tweeted out a compilation of some of his best bits from last night, and it was just astonishing to watch. The amount of uh, times he won challenges was incredible. He's mm-hmm. a strong, strong player. Yeah. Um, now, Stephen Forbes, who is commenting on YouTube, Alan Morrison of Celtic by Numbers was an articulate and insightful guest yesterday and would be a great addition to the weekly Axon lineup. Still no word from Charlie Nick on making an appearance, question mark, wink. Now, Alan Morrison, the plan is to have him on once a week. Uh, we did do that for a couple of months during the lockdown period. And uh, we will hope to do that moving forward as well, Stephen, because I agree with you, it's great to have Alan's input on the figures. As for Charlie, um, Charlie hasn't got back to us on making an appearance. But I wouldn't actually have an issue with interviewing Charlie Nicholas. I would quite enjoy interviewing Charlie Nicholas. What do you think, Jim? You were a guy who's seen, seen a lot of Charlie as a young player. Well, Charlie was the biggest thing out back in the day. Uh, and I think you always like to look at young guys coming through. Mm-hmm. And if he's a centre-forward, even better. And if he's quite a gallows guy like Charlie Nick was, even better. And it's such an astonishing season in that 82-83 season. And you just wish he'd have stayed on for a few more years. Uh, and even as we've spoken before, I think that he had a chance to come back and potentially link up with Mo Johnson when we thought we'd sign Mo Johnson, and that was going to be dead exciting as well. So, I think as Celtic fans, you've only good memories about Charlie Nicholas. Uh, understandable, he went because I think he was you know multiplying his, his wage by a factor of ten or something like that. It was difficult to hang on to him. He literally went for, went to the wrong club at the end of the day. If he went to Liverpool or, or Man U, then I think that just suited his talents. Uh, on the field first time round uh, you'd be hard pushed to find any Celtic fan had nothing to say but good good things about Charlie Nicholas he's such a gallus player as well uh, and it's good to see that good to see somebody who uh, not only is good but knows they're good uh, and you know uh, not only talks the talk but can walk the walk mm. so so with think, a bit of swagger as well with a bit of swagger and he'd all the he had all the uh, fashion of the day and the no socks and all this kind of malarkey so it was, it was really good copy uh, Charlie Nick back in the day I think he lost his way a wee bit uh, I think we could have got him back sooner uh, and I said before that in a podcast a, f- a few months ago if we'd have got Charlie Nick and Mo Johnson in the same team uh, in 1989 when that was a rumour at the time uh, I don't think uh, the team across the city would have won 9 in a row I think we'd have nipped that in the bud pretty early because you've been guaranteed, you know, what, 40, 50 goals a season? It would have been a devastating partnership, yeah. Uh, what happens after, after he's left Celtic? You know, I think uh, when people tend to leave Celtic, I tend to think, well, that's them going to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't pay much attention to pundits. Uh, I, l- I love to listen, to listen to pundits who talk about what they've done in the game. I know that first about pundits talking about what they're watching. Uh, because even though they've been in the game, and there's, 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 a, there's a handful of pundits that, that I enjoy listening to because I think they give a bit of insight. Uh, but you or I could sit there and say, well, that was a poor goal to lose and try and keep it tight to half-time and all those other cliches. you know. So I find that just a waste of time. But even even players that I don't like, uh, maybe play for teams I don't like, maybe I don't think they're good players, I'm fascinated when they talk about what they've done mm. in their football careers. Mm-hmm. I don't read many books, but but the books I do read tend to be either autobiographies or biographies about football players. And I find them fascinating. Not in the way that, you know, that you cross the ball and I nodded in type of way, but just in terms of 
what it means to be a football player and what they go through. And again, because we've, we've never experienced this, we've never played at that kind of level. You know, you, you think you know a wee bit about football, you maybe played a bit of amateur and what have you, uh, but we've got no idea what it must be like in that you do a job, whatever your job is, but somebody's actively trying to stop you doing your job. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got this guy in the solar team who's, who's kicking lumps at you. So if somebody walked into your podcast today and starts kicking you, you think, hold on, stop kicking me. I had some then, of that last week. And then, you've got, and then you've got other people want to take your job. You know, younger players, other players. Young upstarts. Upstarts. Yep. So from a Paul John Dykes point of view, what would, how would you feel if guys come in here and start kicking you? Or there's 10 young guys out the door wanting to do your job. The pressures you're under doing that. The mental pressures. I'd let them do it and just go and sit the kettle on you. <laughs> I just think... You know, you have to be mentally, mentally tough. And you're playing in front of 60,000 people. The game's on TV. There's millions of people watching you. Yeah. I just think these are like ordinary people doing extraordinary jobs. And I'm, I'm always fascinated. And you've obviously done a number of things in terms of books and uh, documentaries about football players. And you must have had a, a fantastic insight to that. And I would gladly listen to, to people talk about that. Uh, how do you want this? Charlie Nicholas. That was it. Charlie. I, I would gladly listen to Charlie Nicholas telling his tales of when he played and he played and he went to the World Cup yeah. with Scotland and he got mm. a really bad injury in the, in the first game and and I thought we'd have a wee chance in that World Cup because we, I'm the age where Scotland always qualify for World Cups and we always went there pretty confident. We always came back home really early but we went there really confident and that Mexico World Cup with a lot of talented players. Charlie Nick was squad. there, Bo Johnson was there, McAvenny was there, oh, yeah. uh, David Cooper was there. We had lots of good offensive mm. players, mm-hmm. good defence, the Aberdeen defence, the Dundee United defence, all the guys were there, good goalkeepers. Soonest McStay in, Soonest in the midfield. Yeah. You know, uh, Dalglish didn't go. That was like a big shock at the time because I think it was a bit of an issue why he didn't go. Uh, I'm off of a bit of a tangent here. Paul, 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 I think the it. issue was Alan Hansen wasn't selected. Possibly. Yep. But uh, what's my point here? Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear Charlie Nick's tales of what happened then but in the same way that any commentator and it's whether it's Charlie Nicholas or Chris Boyd or John Hartson I don't care who they are uh, I tend not to pay much attention to them but I'd love to hear their stories and you obviously do uh, a night with a night with this ex-player a night with that ex-player fascinating absolutely fascinating listening to these guys I might not do that again though because the booing and the hissing when I walk on the stage might be too much for me Jim you can take that however mentally you can take that yes state of mind now Charlie again you're talking about just before I link this back into the game last night uh, Charlie the best story he told me the one I enjoyed the most was the the 10 men winning the league story where him and the the group of young kids from the ground staff stole the jerseys and were in the jungle. I Mm. thought that was brilliant. Because within, I think it was three years, he was the hottest property in Scottish football. You know, but he's just standing in the jungle with his mates watching the game with a few jerseys that they'd nicked off of Neely Mocking. Brilliant. Because remember that uh, one of my favourite Celtic players of modern times is Aidan McGeady. Aidan McGeady's just... And I was fortunate enough to see Aidan McGeady as a nine-year-old schoolboy playing football. I think I mentioned before, I was involved with with kids' football for the best part of 20 years, and uh, mainly primary school's football, and the member playing against Aiden School, when uh, so most of your team tend to be primary seven, so you're, that's, that's the oldest kids in the school. And he was playing for quite a, quite a, quite a large school uh, in Glasgow, and he was in the first team in primary five, and taking corners with his left foot and his right foot, and, and taking and just, I had never seen anything like this at all, and uh, followed his career closely, but he was, he was a ball boy in the 6-2 game, wasn't he? There was a point to the story. We've seen that ball boy in the 6-2 game. Mm. 
I don't know if I've seen any of that. I've seen uh, Callum McGregor recently as a ball boy. A ball boy. Uh, yeah, European night, well. yeah. Uh, there was a point to that story. How did we go into that? We were talking about Charlie and you started talking about Aidan McGeady. Aye. Yeah. There must have been a point to that. Oh, you were talking about Charlie in the jungle. In the jungle. And I'm saying, well, Aidan McGeady's a ball boy. It's the, the player. Yeah, it's a fan it's of the, the fact player. The fan becomes, yeah. you then, you know, whether you're in the jungle or whether you're a ball boy behind the goal, all of a sudden you're actually in the heat of the action. Mm. Uh, and again, that kind of... Uh, how you go from youth player to first team player you know who makes it who doesn't make it you know what's behind the guys that make it and and things in football can, can turn in a second you know if you were asked to train with the first team and you're going to and just show how good you are all of a sudden you get a chance for the first team or you don't Kieran Tierney or, case in point case in point or you yeah. or you go and train with the first team and you just completely freeze and that was your chance and it's gone the young, mm. young man City guy committed suicide I know terrible this week and terrible you know job. that's a kind of an indication of what these young guys must be thinking because because of the money that's involved, certainly down south, you've got young guys, you know, 17, 18 years earning, whatever they're earning, 30, 40 grand a week, you know, and all of a sudden you're cut off from that. What kind of life do you have? Because football's everything mm-hmm. to them. I mean, football's everything to, to, to most people. But if you've got a chance of actually making it and making the kind of silly money that they make down south... Fine line. So how do you decide who's in, who's out? And it can all be down to one game or one kind of training session. You know, you turn up and you show what you like, you're in. You don't show what you like. Maybe you're having a, an off day that particular day. Maybe you've got some issues at home. Nothing to do with your football. And you don't say, and all of a sudden you look and think, well... And I've known a lot of guys, and I'm sure you know a lot of guys who, who could have been players. Yeah. But just either unfortunate or unlucky or whatever, just didn't make it. And you thought... They're better than what I'm looking at here. And then you see guys who do make it and you think, how did they make it? Because maybe they had the hunger and the desire that other guys didn't have. Mm. And I've heard, I'm sure you've heard far more stories than me about certain players, that they just had the desire and they had the hunger to make it. And these other guys didn't. But Charlie Nicholas, brilliant player back in the day. Brilliant player. And of course, a, a, a prolific goal scorer. I want to talk about our striker last night. Um, Neil Lennon started with a Yeti. His finest game for Celtic, I yes. would suggest. I know he didn't score, but I thought he was brilliant last night. I mean, his hold-up plays tremendous. His linking plays superb. I think in the same way that we went to up, you thought, is this happening? I'm a bit stunned here. I was quite stunned by his performance last night because mm. I was convinced that he's a kind of six-yard player. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Once we get everyone fit and once we start playing the way we can play, it's about getting to the byline putting crosses in, it's for a penalty box record to score. So if you don't make any chances, he's never going to score. I think Aberdeen last week, did something like five touches? That's right. Something like that, something yeah. ridiculous, yeah. like five touches. So if he's got no service, he's not going to score. And I was astonished at his performance last night because he was kind of almost like a big hearts and he was kind of coming deep and taking the ball on his chest and playing it off and he was dead confident. And the wee flick he had for the first goal was great. And he just looked apart last night. There was also some good defensive play, Jim. There was one point where he wins a header at the at the near post, 
Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I remember Dembele being particularly good at that as a striker, you know, actually going back defensively and winning headers. So he was all over the pitch. It was um, completely different from the performance we've seen against Aberdeen. Uh, also brilliant to see Eduard coming off the bench. And I think he's going to be obviously a massive player for Celtic. There were some comments during the week that he gave to the French press in relation to his future at Celtic. I think it was one of these things that was sensationalised. Eddie wasn't saying anything out of turn. He wasn't saying anything we didn't already know. I think he's a very clever lad, Eddie. I think he knows exactly where he's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you. He didn't say anything that we didn't know about already. I think uh, in the same manner we looked at the manager before Neil Lennon is that if, if he stays this season and we win 10 in a row, then he goes with our best wishes. Uh, if it's leaving January because he wants a move, then that's a different. Then we maybe view him the way we view the previous manager. Uh, but I don't think he'll do that because he, he seems quite, as if he's got his head screwed on. Uh, it was great to see him last night. Uh, if he's fully fit, I'd certainly play him on Sunday. Uh, but maybe he's not fully fit. And this gets me back to the whole COVID thing again. Mm-hmm. Because I think we are quite blasé, quite naive about this. Well, he's got COVID and then seven days, he's back. Bit of yeah, training, he's we're back expecting Eddie to play against Rangers. Aye. And we said that at the time. Because he's back training, so why wouldn't he play? Mm-hmm. Didn't make the squad. And again, we don't know who fit players are. And in much the same way I'm fascinated by Alan Morrison's and he's Celtic by numbers, I'm also fascinated by fitness levels. You know, because not being a medical person, you know, Neil Lennon has to look to his uh, fitness coaches or whoever it is he looks to to say, how fit is Lee today? And they say, you'll get 20 minutes out of him. Mm. How do you determine 20 minutes? You know, how do you determine 45 minutes? I'm fascinated by that because if you look at the game Aberdeen last week, you'd have thought, put Lee on from the start, even if he only gets 45 minutes. But how do you know he's only going to get 45 minutes? And that could have been the case last week that he wasn't, he was only going to give you 25 minutes and that's why he got put on the last 25 minutes. Yeah. So I think there's lots and lots of factors behind the things that happen that we've got no idea about. But at times we're quite quick to criticise to say, should have done that when the fact there was actually a very good reason not to do that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that. And maybe Neil doesn't want to say too much about this kind of stuff because, I mean, if he was doing that, he would have to, he would be, he would be chatting all day about, I did this, I did this, I did that. But what he did say during the week was the fact that, you know, in terms of his backroom staff, in terms of analysing performances, in terms of imparting knowledge to the players, all that stuff's happening, you know. And, and people to say things like, you know, maybe... And Neil Lennon's a bit tactically naive or whatever. And you're thinking, don't be daft. I mean, Neil Lennon has forgotten more than we'll ever know about football. And the thing is that that uh, he'll know himself. If he's put in a bad performance, he'll be the first person to know, wasn't a very good performance today? I need to try and fix this. And that's what we're trying to do, to try and fix that. What I would say on that point there is, throughout the season, there's been times, I've called it very dysfunctional, when you're looking at not only the, the line-up, and uh, the change in personnel, some of which is forced upon the manager, as you've already confirmed there. But I do think that when it comes to um, protecting a lead at Pataudry, it can't just go down to the player. I really I really do think there needs to be managerial decisions made at that point. But last night was different, I felt, Jim, because you could actually see that this dysfunctional team that sometimes seemed fragmented was completely disciplined in their shape. I mean, you could actually see the lines across several areas of that park. You've seen the discipline of Frimpong 
with regards to his defensive attributes last night. Probably the best defensively I've seen him. But, you know, going back to your point there saying, well, Neil Lennon is um, tactically naive. I thought last night, looking at that team, it was tremendously set up. Yes, it fell away. I think a massive part of that was was Ayer. Um, You know, the forced departure of Ayer. And I do take on point what I've read this morning in relation to some of the substitutes being too late because Brown, Christian and Cham had done so much running. I mean, Neil Lennon said after the game, Christie's now fatigued. It's no wonder the amount of running that he did. And I think that might have played a part in Christie being so flat-footed at the goal. You know, Brown turns around immediately to see what's happened because Ryan's lost his man at the back mm-hmm. post. And even then, Bain almost stops it from going in. So there's... there's, there's Looking at last night, I think there's loads of positives um, for any of the detractors in relation to the way that that team set up and the shape of the team. Totally agree. And also, uh, a lot to do with confidence. So if you're going to tune up at half-time, just how confident were the team? Mm. Then, as I said earlier, we're going toe-to-toe with a really good team. So this is not like Hamilton away. This is like an exceptional team. Some of the players are costing like £30 million. And we're going toe-to-toe with them and we're winning 2-0. We've scored two brilliant goals. It's been a disciplined performance. The goalkeeper just saved a penalty. Confidence is high. Keep it disciplined. Don't do it in daft. And that's a bit different if you're up at Pitodri possibly and you're a goal down or 2-1 down and you're chasing the game. So I think we'd, we'd something to hang on to last night and you're absolutely right in terms of the discipline. Really, really good and that was a big positive last night. Uh, but again, I'd always go back to uh, the performances this season have been severely hampered by the number of players that we've got. And people will say things like, well, I don't think Neil knows his best team. I think he does know his best team. Once they're all fit, I think he knows his best team. But they're not fit. For whatever reason, COVID, injuries, a lack of fitness from certain players. Uh, once everyone's fit, he'll know his best team. And the thing about when he has his best team, uh, for me, just speaking as a fan, I think some of the players there, you think they'll not get a game, even though they're good. And they're a bit controversial. Ellie Nussi wouldn't get my first 11. I was going to ask that last night Jim we were talking about like Salt and you know universally everybody was happy with his performance he was brilliant last night mm-hmm. I think he's been very good or good in all of the games that he's played Yeah. but how big a factor was his performance in the kind of freedom that we saw of El Yunusi because I think that they teamed up pretty well on the left hand side and I don't know if El Yunusi's had that level of support uh, to that degree that he had last night is that something we can develop on? Are we going to get two players out of the performances, perhaps, of Luxalt? I just think Ellie Lucy's too inconsistent for me. He's a fantastic player. wouldn't deny he's a fantastic player. And he scored two fantastic goals last night. But I think when everyone's fit, I don't see him in the team. He's not in my team. Just a fan's viewpoint. He's not in my team. Uh, Luxalt, as I said earlier, I think Luxalt's performance rubs off on other players, not just mm. Ellie think. Yeah. Frimplon played really well and I think if you're a, maybe a central defender and you're looking at him and you're on your left hand side you've got no worries about this guy because he knows where to be you know he doesn't get caught out of position or there's once or twice he runs up the park and he's, and he's chasing back but he knows the game inside out as I said earlier he does what it says on the tin and the more players you've got in your team who you've got confidence in then that must make you more confident I think and that, that, that must rub off on the team and that would make the team performance better and it works the other way. If you've got players who you're maybe not that confident and that works the other way. And I'm not saying anything against young boy Welsh, but he's only making, you know, he's only maybe played two or three games. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Shane Duffy and you're playing a, you know, the Glasgow Derby and you've got a young guy beside you, then 
half the time you're maybe thinking, I need to kind of like watch the young guy, you know, make sure he doesn't get caught or exposed. And that must take away from your game because you're trying to do two things. Mm-hmm. And if you're injured as well, that doesn't help. So getting, getting everyone back and getting the best players on the park, playing their best positions, uh, as I've said a few times over the last few weeks, once that happens, we'll be fine. But when's it going to happen? And then with I getting put out last week, he said, well, that's one of the guys I had is, he's a stick on, you know, we'll definitely play with him. So if he's not playing and you're Shane Duffy again, there's another different, different central defensive partner you've got to play with. And, you, and football's all about having, you know, knowing what your teammates are doing. Now, we talk about the team across the city, or, you know, uh, leading the league at the moment. They've been playing in a certain way for a long time. They all know what they're doing, and it shows. We've not had the same players playing in the same positions all the time, and it does look a bit disjointed or a bit fragmented. But I think that's totally understandable. And if we get all the guys back and have a run of half a dozen games, I think we'll just kick on. The big fear is we run out of games because of COVID. Well, it's, it is a fear. It's a fear of a single day, Jim. I'm going to speak to some of the people who are tuning in and commenting via Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, please subscribe. I keep saying this every single broadcast, but we're just a few subscribers short of 4,000. And there is a prize for subscribers today. There's going to be a random draw and we have some Celtic t-shirts and prints courtesy of the penalty spot um, so thank you very much to Kevin Tate for those so subscribe and we will be doing draws today and also on Sunday um, so please subscribe it's all free and um, we broadcast every single day now Mr Briggs was encouraged by that last night always a wee bit of a disappointment to lose a two goal lead but overall can't grumble with a point against a top French team uh, you, you mentioned earlier Jim, about uh, football cliches and sometimes it's difficult to avoid them. I think one of the first things that we said was had you gone into that game uh, knowing you were going to get a draw, you wouldn't have been disappointed. But the manner of it, throwing away a two-goal lead, obviously makes it disappointing. And I think the chances, particularly of El Yunusi, uh, one in particular where, you know, things opened up for him and just hit it it at that point. I mean, mean, he was on fire last night, but um, he said today that he's focusing on the two misses more than he's focusing on the two goals so I, I think El Yunusi's done enough again and I'm going to ask you for, about Sunday and how you would line up I think El Yunusi's done enough to keep his jersey for Sunday he was one of the best players last night it would be hard to change the team for Sunday but just to hark back to what I said earlier I'd always play the best players mm-hmm. uh, and is Eddie fit again that we kind of how, how did he get last night 25 minutes or that yeah came in uh, on 64 26 minutes last yep. night a bit of a cameo he looked good but again just how fit is he after having Covid mm-hmm. nobody knows if he's fit I'd go with him if he's not fit yeah I think I'd have to go with the front two from last night it'd be hard not to pick the same team as last night because they did you know when we, when, when, the, when the dust is settled as you said we'd have been happy with a point and it was an exceptional first half performance uh, and quite a stubborn second half performance it could have been better result could have been better so all in all, maybe we go with the same team. Ayers injured, mm. so beaten straight in for him. Yeah, Mohamed hopefully on the bench. Well, I thought Frimpong's performance last night would, would keep him in the team. Yeah, uh, because I think it's a different scenario. Hamden's a big pitch. Uh, we'd be looking for him to get forward as much as possible. So mm. him and Lasalt, like Lasalt down both sides. Uh, I would bring back Barkas to to play in goal. I think he's a better goalkeeper. Uh, 
But yeah, you're, you're then have to, as we, as we said earlier, how does that affect Scott Bain then? Because if, if as you said earlier, maybe there was an issue with his attitude before. Now it's good. He plays really well last night, and if you drop him again, what does that do to his attitude? Mm. But he's a professional football player. That comes with the territory, I think. So, so play your best players. If Eddie's fit, you go with Eddie. If Lee's fit, I go with Lee. Because that's... But we're one up front fight. or two up front, do you oh, think? Two up front. Two up front. That's, I mean, if I had to pick the... If all the players would fit, would, would be fit. My my 11 would be, for the SPL anyway, uh, against most teams. I don't think we need two holding mid, uh, midfield players in the SPL. I would go with uh, a Barkas. I'd go with back four. Uh, Avaya at right back. I'd go with Duffy and Julian and Laxalt. I'd put Brown just in front of the four of them. And I'd play Forrest, McGregor and Christie. And I'd play Eddie and uh, Lee up front. Attack-minded team, having one defensive midfield player is that a big mistake? Who knows? Against most teams in Scotland, we should be good enough to beat most of these teams. Maybe if we're playing games at Aberdeen or, or Ibrox, maybe we change the shape a wee bit. I don't know, but for, for, we've got the best players by miles, and that's why I said earlier that if that's my best team, then there's no room for Elianusi, there's no room for Cham, eh, Frimpong, Elhamid. We're such a strong squad, and we talked last week about David Turnbull not in the game. Mm. It's totally understandable mm-hmm. that why he's not going to game because we've got such a strong squad. And then I think you have to pick the games maybe to bring him in. If we play one of the so-called smaller teams at home, maybe that's the game to bring him in. Uh, if we're looking to rest Scott Brown, maybe that's the game we do that. And yeah. but I think there's a big difference between resting Scott Brown and, and leaving him out from a tactical point of view. What do you think it was on Sunday there, John? Well, because Lenny didn't say anything about not being fit, and you think it must be tactical, mm. then, uh, and that's why it was such a surprise to have, to have left him out. I think we all know that, I mean, at 35 years old, he's not going to play every every single game. Uh, that'd be unrealistic, in the same way that Shane Duffy's finding it difficult possibly to play three games in a week. And, and again, dead naive, because we don't really know, you know, you and I have never played three games a week for a Football that level. team at international that kind of football, level, European football, over the yeah. park, hard tackles, all that kind of stuff, mentally drained after the game. I mean, the amount of focus to, uh, we had last night, and that's what I also enjoy European games because the focus the teams, the individual players must have, has to be really, really high. You can't switch off for a second, so it must be mentally draining. I mean, you said Ryan Christie was physically exhausted; it must be mentally exhausting. Yeah, mm-hmm. for every single player, because that one slip, that one mistake, is going to cost you. The Shane Duffy tackle could have been a turning point last night. They scored a penalty, they're back in it, and, and if they played the way they played the second half, we'd have maybe lost that game 3 or 4 too. But Bain gets them out of jail. But that was just one slip and an otherwise very good performance by Shane Duffy. And that's what makes it exciting at that kind of level. SPL, you know, you give a couple of penalties to Hamilton, the chances are you're still coming back and beating them. No disrespect to Hamilton. Because they don't have that kind of quality and the top third of the park. And that's what gets us out of jail. So, I mean, the first game of the season against Hamilton, they had about four or five chances in that game. From, from a lot of memory. chances in the Ross County game as well, away. Ross County, yeah. but because they lack that quality in the final third, mm-hmm. we get away with it. And then we also get away with maybe uh, not being as ruthless at the other end of the park because at some point they'll make a mistake. And that's what can happen at St. Johnson. We eventually found a way to get by them, mm-hmm. although we left it late. So, what was the question? Sunday's team, I would uh, bring Barkas back, yeah. uh, beat one for, for Ayer, if Eddie's fit, Eddie and Griff, 
if they're not fit, then Ellie Newson and, and uh, Ayeti, because they both played really well last night, very, very well. They did, Jim. I think what I would do, and it's going back to this, um, you know, the fragmentation or the dysfunctional nature of the Celtic side this season, again, taking into account some of that is beyond the manager's control, absolutely, and Celtic have been hit. Uh, worse than anybody else really um, you know when you're looking at injury and illness in the Scottish game I would use last night as a starting point I would use the team last night and make as few changes as possible so Ayers out you bring in Beaton he's obviously ahead of El Hamid because El Hamid was left back in Glasgow that's the only change I'd make unless there's other injuries I would stick with that I think a Yeti uh, you know he's going. He's growing in confidence. He's getting to know the his teammates, but he's growing in terms of his uh, fitness as well. Edwards coming back. Griffiths might have been disappointed last night a wee bit. I think uh, Lee Griffiths, yep. but I just think he's a he's a weapon to bring on um, if if things aren't going our way. If Aberdeen pack the defence, which I think they might do with the expanses of Hamden. You mentioned Frimpong. I remember. Don't know if it was his last performance there, but certainly uh, a very memorable one there was the day he got sent off in the League Cup final. He was the outball, Jim. He enjoyed that space out wide yeah. right. Well, Laxalt, who is uh, the name on everybody's lips this morning, if he can continue uh, in the vein of last night, then he's going to have a, an absolutely fantastic season. But again, maybe I'm just playing it safe. What I want is I want maybe a familiarity to try and start building something. And I don't think uh, yet he's my first choice striker. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't drop him at this moment in time. I would um, always go for Lee Griffiths. Mm-hmm. I'd, we'd obviously like to win the game on Sunday, and I think Lee Griffiths is, uh, gives us our best chance of winning the game. because And because I said at the start, I think I've got players who I think good, bad, or inconsistent in the middle. Which Mo Elianus is going to turn up Sunday? Don't know. And that's why I'd rather have Lee Griffiths up there, because I think Lee Griffiths will give you goals. And I think in his cameos this season so far, his goals have been brilliant. Mm-hmm. The two goals have been sort of been astonishing goals. Got his the points up at Perth. Got his back into got his back into the game of the game last Sunday. Uh, he's not had a ninety minutes. No. Again, I get back to this idea that we don't actually know whether he's he can do ninety minutes. And if that's the case, well, why can't he do ninety minutes? I don't know. But I think other teams fear Lee Griffiths more than they'd fear a Yeti or Elianusi. Uh, so I'd always have Lee up front. Eddie, you're hoping Eddie's back to some sort of fitness. I would think, again, just a complete guess, that maybe we're just taking our time with Eddie. So maybe Eddie's on the bench come Sunday. So I'd go a Yeti in Lee Griffiths, which would be maybe unfair in Eli Nussi after his two goals last night. But mm. I think there's no sentiment. You know, it's about winning games. And obviously Sunday's game's about winning a quadruple treble. Yeah, and if you get through on Sunday, then that's another big game to look forward to at the end of the game. Albeit... We'll be watching start, it in here. Albeit we'll be starting to fall back in terms of games. Yeah. That's the other big concern that, you know, having these European games means that we're not fulfilling the fixtures as well. And the big concern again, without repeating myself, is we run out of games at some point because of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Stephen Forbes, on the point of Luxalt, we should make inquiries now to buy him and get him in and permanent as soon as possible. We're not quoted a number, we're not quoted... Nine million or something, isn't it? Someone goes on to mention that. And, you know, the point here, I just hope any deal is not IR plus cash because of who we're dealing with, uh, how much is Luxalt worth in the current market. Now, there comes a time, and we spoke about this during the week, whereby um, you push the boat out for certain players. And Eduard was one of those players. I don't think anyone would argue, although sometimes uh, some people did at the time, that he's been worth the money. Um, I remember 
going back to what Gary Doonan accused me of yesterday, I'm going to name drop here and say okay. I was talking okay. to Paddy McCourt and we were talking about the question when Edward signed about his value. And uh, Paddy says, you could sell him tomorrow for nine million. So yeah, he is worth nine million. And it was as simple as that. And he was right. Mm-hmm. He was right. So there's certain players, I think, that you push the boat out and you maybe you go a wee bit further um, in terms of finance and wages. But I think also you have to look at the context of the situation we're in just now. Uh, that you can't, I mean, as we both said before, astonished we kept the players we kept, astonished at how much we spent in the transfer market. So another nine million for another player, albeit he's a really good player. The financial results came out this week, weren't they too clever? Understandable, because of COVID. Uh, can't just keep buying anyone, even though we're saying, well, if we buy him for nine, he's, he's basically a £9 million asset, we can sell him tomorrow for £9 million. Yeah. Again, there comes a time when you have to be sensible with this kind of stuff, that you can't just keep spending money. Uh, would you swap Ayer for him? I likely would. You, you would? I would, because I think we've got, if everyone's fit, we've got other centre-halves we could bring in. I don't think we'll get anyone of the quality of like Salt to play on that left-hand side. Uh, See, that's an, inter- that's an interesting take on it. It really is. I, I, because, I mean, Ayer, for me, I've championed him. I've loved the fact how, how he's progressed through, um, you know, coming in as a bit of an unknown under Ronnie Dyla and sent away to Kilmarnock, getting changed position. And then all of a sudden, you know, AC Milan are interested in him. And I think some of his performances this season... I mean, I think, the game I think, against I think, it's it's great, I think also the big man's going to go at some point, you know. And I think, I think after this season, it'll be fascinating in terms of the kind of turnover. I think there could be a lot of people because I think the board are doing what they can to throw everything at winning the ten this year. I think next year, going for eleven, if it is eleven, or going for one, hopefully not. It'd be interesting to see how that's how that's going to be sold to to the fans. I think next year. So I think. Ayer's going to go at some point. Uh, again, showing my complete naivety, we've got no idea what kind of money Laxalt's on. So if mm. Laxalt's on 60 grand a week or something like that, and similar to the Fraser Foster position, whereby we can't afford those wages, otherwise you disrupt the whole team. So on the one hand, we can naively say, I can go for him, I go for him. But then you've got to consider the financial position that the club is in. It's losing money. Therefore, you can't just do that unless you sell somebody to try and finance that. What about the guy's weekly wage? Would the guy want to come at the end of the day? Uh, because you get players who recognise that the quality of Scottish football or the level of Scottish football isn't particularly great. You know, do you want to, you know, I don't know, how, how old is he? Like so, mid-20s, something I, like that? I need to check that. I, I thought he was about 26. Right, so I need to check. coming towards the peak mm-hmm. uh, of his football career, do you want to spend the peak of your career in the Scottish League? playing on AstroTurf at Livingston and Hamilton and Kilmarnock and going to Tannadice and getting kicked up and down the park or do you want to play in a better league? So there's there's all these factors to consider that that me, the kind of ordinary football fan says, just going to sign the guy, just going to get it done. There's, there's, there's tons of factors involved in this. There's 27. There's 27, good, yes. So uh, at its very simplistic level, uh, would you swap Ayer for Laxo? I think I would, notwithstanding all those other factors that are mm. kind of keyed in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was that simplistic, but football isn't that simplistic. Too many other factors in there. I'd, I'd swap him for like Salt and Ibrahimovic. Straight right. swap. Okay. Uh, Michael Braybender, tongue in cheek, firmly inserted there, Jim. To be fair to Duffy, and I think this is a good point, he's played more football than he has in the last 24 months in combination with an unsettled backline. It's a good point. It's a fair point. 
and I think there's been a lot of um, criticism of Shane Duffy. Uh, thinking back to when he signed, he, he was signed like the Messiah. Uh, we all wanted a centre-half in. Shane fitted that bill. Last night, I praised him. I was criticised for praising him. I think he's a guy who uh, we sometimes forget that he went a long period of time without any competitive football gym and he's getting thrown into three games a week and it's the high level stuff it's the European games international games he did it was confirmed by Neil Lennon have an abscess abscess in his mouth had to get two teeth removed before the Rangers game the suggestion is he shouldn't have played um, so you know he, he's he's a player at the moment I think he can play through this I think there's loads of factors involved they're, they're, they're not reasons they're, they're, they're genuine factors I think I've mentioned those earlier in the podcast about the stuff you said there, not many games, unfamiliar back for unfamiliar country as well. Coming to here, even though you know it's coming from down south, it's, it's a different kind of game up here. Uh, people people say it's much faster up here, so he's mm. not as much time in the ball. He's not used to playing a back three. We play in a back three. He's got young guys playing next to him. He's got different defensive partners. Uh, as I said, I thought he was great last night. Just one bad choice, and up at Aberdeen, he was fine. One bad choice. Mm. But the one bad choice, if you're a defender, that's about that's going to stuff you, basically. And you can't afford to make the one bad choice. And your levels of concentration have to be really high, but that's totally understandable if you've not been playing many games at all. Uh, I think I said last week, he's also a big fan. So it means more to him. So again, you're going to part thinking, we need to get three points here. And you'll be thinking that more than most. You know, If you compare his view of uh, this season compared to a Yeti or something like that. It's what we want to win the games, obviously, but it means more to Shane Duffy. And usually if things mean a bit more to you, maybe you're a bit more anxious some of the stuff. But he's been a good signing. He'll come on to a game. Just one or two wee laps of concentration has kind of spoiled it a bit. And, and unfortunately, he's been punished for them. You know, I mean, the one last night with Scott Bain dropped the ball. If he'd have scored, uh, I think your opinion of Scott Bain today would have been changed dramatically. But he didn't, he hit the bar. Mm. So you offer that, and then we're looking at the positive side of Scott being last night. Yeah. And you got me your team for Sunday. If he'd have dropped that one last night, would it have been your team for Sunday? I'd have been screaming for Barcast to return, Correct. but such is the nature. And um, that's the thing, and the ball hit the bar. The margins. And the ball hit the bar. Yep. You know, six inches lower, that's a goal. And we're thinking, this clown Scott being, get rid of him, he's a clown. And that's the nature of the kind of fickle football fan. We only look at certain things, but if you went. Let the dust settle and analyse the game. You'd be say, well, apart from that one mistake, even if it's a scored, you'd have said overall not a bad game. But I think if you Duffy, the game, then different view. I think Duffy, on the flip side, you know, even though there's been some poor performances, at no point have I suggested um, that Duffy has dropped because I think he brings a lot more. Uh, when you look around, you've got the unfamiliar goalkeeper. If it's Barkash, you've got an unfamiliar left back. You've got a young right back. And Ayer, again, in terms of his defensive uh, positional ability, uh, which is something that sometimes he lacks, I think that Duffy works well as the leader within that defence, even though his own performance is maybe lacking a wee bit just now. But I do think he'll come through it and we'll see the real Duffy. There's two questions I want to ask you, Jim. Before I ask you for your prediction on Sunday, I know you're a numbers guy yourself, uh, looking at the finances at Celtic, uh, that came out at the beginning of this week, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Do you think that we will be in a situation where we're going to have to sell one of our biggest assets? I think so. I think uh, the Champions League is major. It's so major. I think it's the top two getting in this year. Mm-hmm. Just playing the next around. So yeah. that's that's almost a bit of a safety net should the unthinkable happen and we don't win the league. That you're still in the Champions League qualifiers, albeit 
you've got one one more game to navigate. But certainly, I had a brief look at the finances. I retired about a year and a half ago, so I'd, I thought I'm not going to do any more accountancy stuff. But I'll have a quick brief look at this. And in terms of the revenues we brought in, under the two Ronnie dialyses, we brought in fifty million. And then when Brendan took over, it was something like hundred million, and then ninety million, and then it was eighty million last year, and now it's down to seventy million. So, uh, as everyone would know, the difference in the Champions League is like huge. Mm. Uh, if we get into the Champions League this year, I think we'd be having a different conversation today. We'd have bought maybe Big Foster with them, maybe come back. You know, maybe we could have pushed the boat out for that. So, it's also really difficult when you miss out on that bounty. That's the last two years. And because of the fine margins of football, and we discussed the Ferenc Varane's game ad nausea, 20-odd shots to go. Any other game, we win the game. We get through, and Eddie's back, and Eddie's fit. It's a different scenario. So for the football turns, a £30 million turn on one or two B factors. You know, so unless we're in the Champions League next year, I think there's no doubt we'll have to sell somebody. Yeah, uh, most definitely. Mm. Uh, and we can't just keep on buying players because... Uh, we had quite a few bob in the bank, and that's been down quite significantly. And, and that was before uh, we bought Barkas and Ayeti, and who's the third person we bought? Well, Duffy and Luxalt, there's going to be loan deals and well, they were, they were loan, but somebody else who's, who's. So we might have spent a good uh, 10, 14 million after that money coming down as well. So, Turnbull. So, Turnbull um, was the other. Turnbull was the other one, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Turnbull. And I think we've increased the overdraft facility from something like 2 to 13 million. So if we need money, there's money there, but that's going to overdraft again. And I think we're quite a risk averse board, and that's, and that's you know, perfectly understandable, quite a sensible thing to do. But who knows how COVID is going to continue to hammer us? Because there must be, if you're on the Celtic board, uh, the Europa League, you know, three glamour games, you know, you're going to sell a package for what? 80 quid minimum, mm-hmm. 50,000 season ticket holders, another 10,000 when we went to games. You couldn't get a ticket for those games. Five, six, seven million pound, whatever. Nothing is the answer. Just, so you've, you've, we're losing all this money and we're losing the opportunity to gain a whole lot more money. And there has to be a balance in terms of the money that you spend and you can't keep on spending. And so when you mentioned Luxol, yeah, maybe it's a good investment at nine million, but that's another nine million you're spending. Mm. You can't keep doing that. And so, Managing those assets, because football players at the end of the day are assets in the books. So trying to manage these guys, again, it's quite a difficult thing to do. And that compounds, if you're the manager again, you're involved in that stuff as well, because you're not looking them, looking at these players as financial assets. They're just, they're just players and you want to keep them there. But if you're, you don't want players to get into the last year of the contract, you end up losing a lot of money. So, so and we had the Boyata situation the other, the other year. We could have got, depending and who you believe, we could have got £9 million. And you said this a couple of weeks ago about uh, guys in Sky saying, well, you know, if you can't get him for 109 just pay the 120 you think, So if you see it quickly, it doesn't sound a lot of money. Meanwhile, there's clubs in England going out of business because they're 500 grand in debt. Aye. So, so £9 million, if you see it loud, £9 million is, is a lot. We lost £9 million because of a bad decision that somebody made. Now, was it the previous manager? Was a, that's a whole different conversation but it's part and parcel of football now that you have to manage the assets uh, so I think we're doing well financially goodness knows what some of the other clubs are like and, and what's good about our club club like no other is it's quite transparent in terms of it says this is what's happening mm. uh, I'd like our club to be vocal in some other issues which they've been quiet on but but in terms of the numbers I think we're quite, we're quite uh, transparent uh, they're there for all to see 
uh, and given the COVID situation, I think we're doing okay. But if COVID continues, I mean, what if next season it's the same as this season? I mean, nobody's going to buy these virtual season tickets next year. I mean, you or I have paid whatever it is, six hundred pound. Uh, I've had any game that's been on Sky, home games. I've watched it on Sky because you think it's on the internet and they might buffer and even some. I'm just going to watch it. So I've, I can't. Three home games, something like that. I can't remember how many home games I've watched on this. You're paying six hundred pound, you know, for virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. And there's all these kind of dodgy streams out there that you could have tapped in. But 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 you put your money where your mouth was. You said I'm going to support the club. Uh, it's going through a situation because of COVID. We'll support them and fifty four thousand. You know, maybe maybe fans like no other as opposed to club like no other. We've supported this. Next year, should we not do the 10? Uh, should we not do the 10? It's going to be hard to get. And, and COVID's still here. That's going to be a real tough sell next year. Real tough sell. It certainly we is. Do, we do the 10, we're up for it. But even then, that's still a tough sell. You know, to say that, we'll, particularly for families that have got a number of family members with season tickets. Now, if you're, mm. It's what tends to happen nowadays. You tend to have large families going to games, which wasn't the case. You know, 50 years ago, it was like mainly the working man after his week's work, he goes to the game. But now it's mum, dad and son, daughter. You know, so if you get four season tickets and you're paying whatever that is, you know, best part two grand or something like that, you know, for for watching the game on the TV. And, and given the fact we're in COVID still, people don't have the money, people are losing jobs. I think it's extremely financially challenging next year. But if we win the 10 and we're back into the games, then different scenario. So again... It's out with our control, that one, but it could have quite severe implications. Absolutely, Jim. Now, before all that, we've got a game on Sunday to keep alive our hopes of a historic four trebles in a row. Give me a prediction. I think we'll win 3-0. 3 3-0. 3-0. So a completely different story from last week. Well, I actually said we win 3-0 last week, so I'm consistent Did with you? that. Aye. All right. Well, what I would say is that people have been writing off the European games, Jim, and what I'm saying is, you know, this could be the night that things click into place, you know, and I think last night may well have been that. I'm being positive. Um, so hopefully on Sunday we will win. I think we will win, but I reckon it'll be 2-0. I reckon it'll be 2-0 and I'm looking for another good performance from Laxalt who at the moment is the, the guy on everybody's at the end of everybody's uh, comments on the YouTube, Twitter and Facebook today. Thank you everybody for getting involved. Connor Mitchell was uh, looking for a shout out. He's got that. You're watching on YouTube, Connor, so make sure you subscribe. And all that's left for me to say, Jim Moore, thank you once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Thanks, Paul. gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network 
Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.